So what I'm hearing like you're it. doing some shopping right now. I, as might we're chatting. I might be shopping. Hi there. Welcome to Meeting in the Middle, the podcast that explores just why it was in the 90s naked waspy white guys were able to sell $50 t-shirts so well. My name's Lee Freiling. Uh, I'm currently doing my master's degree. My name's Jenny Omani. I am a registered nurse and business owner. And I'm Annika Buckle. I'm currently in the middle of an existential crisis, so I know all about the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't we all? So, okay, so this episode is a little different. Um, this came about because I messaged these girls and I was like, oh my gosh, have you seen the new <laughs> documentary on the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch? Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys like, I'm sure you have memories about Abercrombie and Fitch. I remember being at Queens when Abercrombie was like at its height. There were no Abercrombie stores in Canada. Are there Abercrombie stores in Canada now? Or is this still just in the States? I have no idea. Anyways, there were no Canadian Abercrombie stores. So the only way you could actually get Abercrombie and Fitch was to go to the States and to buy these bloody expensive, actually quite like nothing special to write home about clothes for way too much money, but they were such a status symbol. And like at Queens, which is like, you know, wealthy wasp central of academia in Ontario, the avatar for Abercrombie. 100% only Canadian. 100% except for the fact that they're Canadian. It's exactly the avatar. Lots of private school kids, lots of white kids, loads of money, loads of privilege, loads of exclusivity. I mean, Queens thrives on the exclusive exclusivity model. Um, and you know, if you got to wear that stuff, it was very much sort of statusy. And so I remember having like one Abercrombie shirt and feeling very special about it. But I watched this uh, documentary and I told these girls about it. I was like, we need to have like a meet me in the middle, like, I don't know, movie night or something. I love it. Yeah. And so that brings us to where we are at. So Annika, tell me, I don't know, tell me about like your memories of Abercrombie, like like this for me, this like hit because it was at a peak, like I'm 21 and wanting to be cool and have no money because I live off st- student loans time. So, well, it's really interesting because uh, like I, I was like kind of losing my mind watching it. I spent, I graduated from university in 2003 and I graduated with a double major in women's studies and political science. And my career goals had been to work in some sort of government or nonprofit related to, you know, violence against women prevention, um, homeless women support services, those kind of things, like, you know, women's center capacity. And which is why Lululemon was like, this just made such good sense. As well, job. so my, <laughs> I'm sorry, but, no, but this is just what, just you wait. So the year that I graduated, um, was the year that here provincially the there was a provincial election and the government shifted from an NDP government to a liberal government and with one fell swoop 100% of funding to every sort of women's resource program was cut both privately and publicly and oh, so wow. all of oh, my wow. career no aspects were gone. I all of a sudden had no career path and there was nothing I could do. It was fine if I could like intern for three years for free, which I couldn't afford to do. 
get, you know, see student loans and, you know, cost of university having yeah. bled my family and I dry. Um, and so I was working in retail at the time, part-time, which I'd been doing for most of my university career and was like, okay, well for now, until I can find something, my store manager was like, you're amazing. You'd be amazing. I need a key holder. Like, why don't you just come and do this while you're looking for work? And then of course there was never any other work and right. key holder became assistant manager, became store manager, became regional manager. Um, and climb so, that corporate la- ladder up yeah. at Lululemon. Wow. I mean, who knows, Annika, if you had a left, you could be chip yourself right now. <laughs> well, so it's really interesting. It actually, I wasn't at Lululemon at the time. I worked for oh. a few different Canadian companies um, and then Lululemon and then a few other companies and then went back to Lululemon. Um, so for me, this was very, so much of this was just really relevant to, um, the context at the time. Um, in particular, the stuff around Les Wexner, um, because he was just mm. the, a, an absolute God in the retail world. Like he had, Oh, so you knew about him from your professional for sure. life for sure. Oh, I learned about yeah. him from this documentary. <laughs> Um, but it's really interesting because so much of what is talked about in this documentary is just very much the context of retail, especially at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kept thinking about, you know, I don't know how much you guys know about what happened with Nygaard, the, the Nygaard scandal, but oh, he was no. a very, very famous Canadian fashion designer, Peter Nygaard. Um, oh, I've heard that name. Right. He, right. he had like, I feel like really not my, like, I, I remember was like he mom on, was clothes a- at the time. So he, and I don't, this was a few years ago now and I don't know off the top of my head, but it turns out he was embroiled in some really brutal, like sex scandals, human trafficking, oh, uh, unlawful imprisonment, sexual what? assaults, like, oh, uh-huh. Um, both in Canada and the U S and is currently like awaiting extradition, like on the completion of his like 45 lawsuits and trials here. <laughs> so Holy cow, gross. this is just very much. And, you know, it, not to excuse it, if anything, to explain like this whole industry, especially in this like late nineties, early two thousands was just this brutal, toxic soup, mm. um, everywhere. Again, hmm. not that it doesn't make Abercrombie and Fitch still a terrible story, but um, it's not the exception. <laughs> yeah. You were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> Makes sense. You're like, oh, this again. Right. This. A little bit. Right. Yeah. And I mean, having worked with entrepreneurs directly, um, you know, quite like famous Canadian entrepreneurs, famous Canadian, that's like a bit of an oxymoron, but um <laughs> I can tell you that so much of that cult of personality stuff is just rife in the industry. Like there is very, it's a real, you got to have the right kid gloves to handle somebody in that kind of position. And I think fashion breeds them particularly grossly. Oh man. Gosh. Okay. So my memories of Abercrombie and Fitch are so naive and adorable because (laughs) I'm just a little bit like I'm born in 84. So I'm 38. I'm just like a couple years younger than you. So if you're graduating, you said 2003 from university. Yeah, I was 2006. So like just that three years though. So I was in high school and I naively just remember thinking it was so cool to drive down to Bellis Fair. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're in Canada now. But I will talk about Abercrombie and Fitch. They, they are. I Googled that very while we different. were talking just now. And they have <laughs> actually, I, 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 towards the end of this, I do want to talk about them presently because I do think they've done a pretty magnificent job of 
like there's been a big switch yes. yeah, Re-bra- totally. rebrand if you will yeah, yeah. Yes. i have several like lots of their stuff right now from their new version anyways i remember going down and like between i i do get my memories of hollister and abercrombie mixed up even though they do point out the very distinct differences in branding from, right. from this documentary yeah, but, but style wise, style wise, very smell, similar. the smell, the dark the store, smell, the dark store, <laughs> the pretty and people, the loud music, and that stupid song, the like LFO song. Like yeah. these are my memories. <laughs> that <laughs> LFO song has been in my head all weekend. <laughs> and can I say so naively and tell this documentary at the age of thirty-eight years old? It, I only what last week realized that their entire marketing pitch was on naked people and they sold clothing and it just <laughs> occurred to me when I watched the documentary I was like oh my god you're right all the bags like everything was just like topless guys mm-hmm. but they sold clothes mm-hmm. and I just had a wow that's really fucking weird moment mm-hmm. and then nobody really consciously nobody notices, thought that right? was weird right I mean, but Calvin Klein in their defense did the same thing all of yeah. their jeans, but at least they sold the jeans in the ads mm-hmm. like, and guess. the underwear, right? Like you see yeah, the underwear band. Sure. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Marky Mark had that whole, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's me. I just, as like a teenager, like, do, 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 do. Wow. It smells in here. It's really dark. I feel like today, <laughs> if I went in that store, I'd be like, oh, I have a migraine and like, oh. it's too loud. I can't think I can't see anything. Hey, what color is this? I can't even see like it. Laser eye surgery. I got halos in here. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it wouldn't be a good. Sign. Yeah. I wouldn't even be able to go in the door. I would have like a preemptive migraine. <laughs> it would be yeah. terrible. My like spidey senses would be like, you're going to die if you walk into this space. So I just, I just wouldn't even go. I think I remember getting headaches when I was 16 going in there. Oh, so. probably. But never thought anything of it. No, you have to go in back for more. Yeah. I know the smell of it is just so much. Yeah. So just to kind of go over what this whole thing is, this is a documentary. It's on Netflix. Um, I imagine it's pretty new. It's, it just, I mean, I just came across my sort of like, you know, radar, uh, and it details exactly what the name sort of entails, the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. And, you know, it talks a lot about what I think was at the time, one of the most, you know, brilliant and effective means of taking something, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch was like an old white guy hunting, camping, (laughs) fishing outdoorsman brand and cashing in on the fact that that company had been around since whatever it was, 1892. They talked about how, you know, the owner and, you know, person who was responsible for this big giant rebrand basically figured out that what he wanted to sell was exclusivity and a very, very particular kind of exclusivity. His exclusivity was very white, very rich, very thin, very fit, very outdoorsy. You know, one of the th- things I thought was so fascinating, I don't know if you guys remember this in the, in the documentary, was when they kind of had like a very specific chart about what Abercrombie and Fitch is and what it is not, right? So like an Abercrombie and Fitch dog is a golden retriever, not, not, a, not a poodle, right? I was like, whoa, that is some specific, you know, an Abercrombie and Fitch car is like a Jeep, not a sedan, right? Like mm-hmm. just what it was. And this has nothing to do with clothes, but has everything to do with kind of like the grander sort of like image that they're portraying, right? People who wear Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, live this like fun, carefree, very well-funded, you know, excellent gene pool, you know, kind of like lifestyle. 
And if you wear these clothes, then maybe you kind of will as well. Right. Yeah. And that's very, um, like anybody who's doing a marketing rebrand will do that. Like they'll say like, okay, who is our target demographic? What right. do they like doing? Like they'll dig into all of that. Um, I just like, side note, the visual side note, Lululemons, um, is they have a name. Yeah. She has her name, name is, her name is ocean. Her partner's oh, ocean. Oh. Yeah. Her oh, partner's God. name is Duke. Nope. No. I can't. Sorry. Yeah. I cannot actually, this is a real story. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, like, no. Not leave, a liar. It's like, it's very standard it's in, marketing. The, in the public yeah. canon, but it's like, again, it's like, it's like when the inner workings become like outer knowledge, it feels really weird. Even if, I mean, you know, I was there when they like launched the concept of ocean. Um, oh and gosh. it's Can like, you oh, tell okay. me about, tell me about ocean, please. I want to know about ocean. It's funny. I, feel like I might I, throw up a little bit in my mouth, but it's funny because it. I actually could tell you more about Duke. I was, um, like oh. working really closely with, with like with men's Duke? with, in like a lot of men's <laughs> stuff at that point. But, um, I mean, it's like, he's, he, um, is a board sport, uh, opportunist. So like he snowboards in the winter and he'll surf in the summer, but like not really passionately, just like, we'll go up with his buddies on weekends. If that's something people are doing, he drives, uh, European make car that has a starting price tag of $60,000. Okay. Right. Like, it's like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I understand it. It's good marketing. And then when you actually very granular, right. But, if you, exactly. But, and then when you actually start putting it into this kind of like, this is our, our there's something maybe because I am not Duke, you know, there's <laughs> something about it that feels grimy to me a little bit. I think if you look behind the scenes of a lot of these companies and I'm, I mean, Abercrombie, the, what we'll get into is really gross, but like, and not to defend marketing, but what it serves is that it gets all the people really understanding who the product's for, who they're making it for. Yeah. And it gets people on board. And even like I did a branding photo shoot last week Yeah, and the photographer was like, who's your avatar? But like, they want to know because that's how they're going to Totally. Right. And if you're yeah. standing there like up, 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 like, it's like, you don't know your brand. So yeah. there is like, but I totally agree. And the thing, the thing is, is it's what you make your avatar. Right. And if you make mm-hmm. your avatar, which is what Abercrombie and Fitch did, if you make your avatar, and I believe I t- took a quote, exclusion is part of our society. That's a quote yeah. from the, the movie. And they actually had a formula and it was heritage plus elitism, plus sex, plus exclusivity equals $3 signs, right? So if you make your avatar so that it fits into that box, then you've yeah. made a problematic avatar. <laughs> well, and I think that's, the part, that's the yes. part that feels grimy to me, right? Is that it exactly. is this lack of inclusivity piece, which of course is like the long-term downfall of, of yeah. Abercrombie and Fitch. And it's, it's intentionally like that, right? Yes. It's not like ignorantly like, oh shit, we forgot this giant portion of the population because we had our blinders on. It's like, no, no, we are, we are intentionally, we literally have a board and we are writing what we are not right. As opposed to most branding, which is focusing on what you are. Yeah. And I think this is the other thing I actually wrote down a quote, probably from that same section exclusion was the root of their success and Mm -hmm. exclusion itself stopped being quite so cool. 
right? Totally. But I think this is the thing where they take it like, okay, fine. You can have an ocean and a Duke, but when you take it to, you will not hire anyone in your store that doesn't look exactly like ocean or Duke. Duke. That's where it starts to be especially problematic. And funny, actually, I was in these days, um, working for American Eagle, um, who like, you know, at the time felt very much kind of in that same world. Like probably if you had have asked, you know, 21 year old me, I would have put those two things in the same category. Mm -hmm. And what kind of came out of that, out of this, like if ANF is the exclusivity, American Eagle became like the first company to not um, airbrush their models. The first company Mm -hmm. to use size exclusivity. You Mm -hmm. saw girls with freckles and stretch marks and like really normal bodies, especially in their underwear campaigns. So it's like, it's like, I'm just going to take this package that ANF has done. And I'm just going to do the flip side, exact opposite of all that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. So another part that I thought was really interesting about the documentary that again, like 21 year old self who was trying to wear these clothes, 20, 21 year old self was trying to wear these clothes at the time didn't realize was the like real, like sort of like homoerotic <laughs> aspect <laughs> of their whole branding, their whole branding scheme. And the fact that, you know, I mean, the documentary sort of talks about a lot of the very problematic stuff that went on with these male models and with, mm-hmm. you know, I can't remember the guy's name, but whoever was, that oh, was the, the photographer. photographer, the photographer, and even, the, you know, and even to a certain extent, the owner, you know, there's a lot of hypothesizing that he was a closeted gay man who was in a, you know, a, a marriage of convenience. And I mean, I, I don't care what someone's doing. Like if that is what's working for you, then that's cool. But I think it's interesting for the time about how, like at the time, like, being gay was still not, you know, it's, was, it's, it was a very different time, even from now. Um, I thought it was super interesting. Again, I had like gay guy friends at the time. I don't know why I didn't ask them about this. Right. Like, you know, the dudes that were like, yeah, every gay boy had the Abercrombie and Fitch catalog at home. Like- well, and it's really <laughs> funny. Cause actually the only guys I knew, um, wearing Abercrombie and Fitch at the time, I mean, Granted, my context very much was like the gay scene, the gay male scene in Vancouver because I was right. working in fashion. Right. Um, but I, the only guys I knew wearing Abercrombie at that point were the gays. And they were right. like, it was like a uniform, like a head to toe. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the Abercrombie. Whereas like for me at Queens, nope, everybody right. wore it. Right. It was just all of the people. Right. But of course, Queens is like the avatar. So, you know, I thought that that was another really sort of... <laughs> fascinating aspect right like and some of the pictures that they actually show you know oh show. my god some of that locker room stuff you're like oh this god. was an ad I remember not noticing that and I just looked up Mike Jeffries and yes he does he separated from his wife and lives with his partner yes right. um, yeah which is like I said it's it is it's just which is like totally fine and I hope he's happy now yes and, of course but it's it's like that classic you know, white corporate America trying to be an like overcompensating his alphaness because mm-hmm. he's yeah. like feels insecure and he's not, yeah, can't be, doesn't feel like he can be himself and doesn't feel safe. So he just like overdoes it times a million times and puts a bunch of, you know, other young, susceptible, vulnerable 
Mm-hmm. You know, like boys, really, like those models, they were young. They, they were, were young, just young, babies. Young. They they were none of young. them had fully formed prefrontal cortexes. No. There's no way no. that any of them fully was a day over 25. No. They definitely had fully formed abs, though. And 21 <laughs> year old me was not mad about it. I'll just be really <laughs> no. honest. Oh, no, no, really none like, of us were upset. No, no. <laughs> none of us were mad about that. So, you know, part of the downfall comes when you know, Abercrombie is huge. It's in every mall in America, but not really because exclusivity, you know, they're selling t-shirts for like two, three times the price that anybody else is, you know, selling t-shirts, you know, where the downfall starts to come is where they have all these people, all these malls, all this setup, all this exclusivity, all this cachet, all this coolness and the cracks start to form the cracks start to, you know, start to show where they would have to do hiring specifically for say holiday time, where you have to beef up your, your you know, holiday hiring. And then the people who are being let go are anybody of color, anybody who's not white, anybody who's not, you know, exactly the beautiful people, you know, sort of model that they were after. And those people started to talk. <laughs> and they weren't right? even let go. Do you know what I mean? They just Sometimes like they weren't, weren't yeah. on the schedule. Yeah. For and months. I can tell and you because- having been a store manager, that's that like how they the, do it. That's the most cowardly and also oh, painless yeah. way to let somebody go. And you're wow. like, no, no, we didn't fire you. Just keep checking the schedule. We just, I just don't have any extra hours this week. Sorry. No, I don't know. We don't next week either. And there are, these are all super young people really as well. It's totally yeah, well, a these thing. Are, but these are, I, I feel like that happened when I used to bartend too. I think it's just like a, when you have immature people running places who can't just like say like, this isn't a good fit. That's mm-hmm. what they do. Well, but or, like, and when- the, the blowback of like, we're going to let you go means you're exposing yourself to a whole slew of things where if yeah, you, you have, know, to have just cause and all yeah, that stuff, right. Where right, there's yeah. no exposure. If you're like, no, we just haven't had hours for six months. I don't know. Maybe we will still need you. Oh my and gosh. when you're dealing with like 16 to 22 year olds, yeah. right. Right. Until the girl at the end who really brought it, who, whose aunt was the one who was like, this is, it was her aunt. Wasn't it? Who was like, this is not okay. Her aunt or her mom or something. Yeah. 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 Like, but like she herself was so young, she didn't, you know, well, like, and I think it, it was such a beautiful example of what I have heard so many people of color go through like, well, it wasn't that bad. Well, they didn't use a slur. So I guess it was yeah. Yeah. Right. Because as white people, we've just made it that it has to be that bad before anybody's going to pay attention. Which well, is if we just like gaslight gross. people and minimize 100%. them. And yeah. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. Speaking of racism, let's talk about those t-shirts. Hey, oh, <gasps> let's talk about those t-shirts. Lord. Hey. So again, I remember those t-shirts being such a thing, right? Like, oh, do all... you? I don't remember those t-shirts. Oh my gosh. All the boys at Queens were all wearing these. Like you had one of two t-shirts. You either had the like quippy jokey sort of like is it a joke t-shirt or is it just something I got on vacation in Hawaii t-shirt mm. or you had like the college look t-shirt right mm-hmm. or like the big with branding like the crusty logo mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but I and I feel like there's just so I mean it's funny she's one of those one of the designers was like yeah you get an 85 percent markup on t-shirts t-shirts is like a ridiculous margin in yeah. fashion because it's just two pieces of fabric yeah the, cuts the are- cheapest fabric mm-hmm. yeah it's an mm-hmm. easy pattern it's easy to reproduce the fabric itself is inexpensive yeah yeah well and yeah. screen printing is super quick and also super cheap right yeah it's like especially when you're doing it those do. large quantities right mm-hmm. yeah 
Totally. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, again, this is where I think their blindness to what they were doing just again, started to show, right. Like these blatantly racist, blatantly stereotypical, you know, shirts, especially about Asian, um, you know, Asian people was like, but it's there so were Asian to- people in the design room. I was just going to say they point to the one gross, gross, and they're and 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 they bring this up in the documentary. If you are the literally token mm-hmm. Asian minority in the room, and someone's like, and a room full of white people are like, "This is funny, right?" You don't find this offensive. You're going to be like, "Yeah, no, it's fine." Mm-hmm. You're not going to stand up for your, you know, it's like, come on, mm-hmm. to expect that one person to take like a big stand against, no. When they're no. at a job where people are just getting fired, like not showing up, you know what I mean? Like where you, you know, you're disposable mm-hmm. in a big company in general, you're disposable. So, mm-hmm. well, and you also know from the explicit lists of what type of person actually is allowed to work for Abercrombie and Fitch that you yeah. are somehow an exception anyways. And so if you'd yeah. like to keep your job, you probably just keep that buttoned up. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> it's so interesting watching, you know, what was deemed at a corporate level to be accept, not just exceptional or not exceptional, acceptable, but also what fueled their success 20 years ago mm-hmm. through a 2022 lens, right? Mm-hmm. Where now it, it couldn't be further from that, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no way that anybody is going to try and pass off, you know, a, a casually racist jokey t-shirt as something that's cool. And expect that it's going to like, I don't know, go anywhere, right? Nobody's going to be like, hey, do you want to know what our hiring practices are? You basically (laughs) don't have to have any experience whatsoever in selling or dealing with people or retail, but you need to be at least 5'7". You need to weigh 110 pounds. You need to have blonde shoulder length hair. You need to be willing to wear a thin, what was it? Silver chain around your neck? No, never gold. Only one thin silver chain and certainly not on the men. Right. Exactly. Right. And you have to wear our clothes. Like, what <laughs> you know that's like the definition of like it's like discriminatory hiring practices. thank you Those yeah are the words I was well and it's interesting because I actually remember a few years ago there was a big thing that came out around A&F and their hiring practices around black people and black hair because mm. you can't have black hair essentially and work there and this was not I mean this wasn't 2003 this was no for sure within the last five years so well, why as do much people as- care what somebody's hair looks like like this is <laughs> like I just this is lost on me it's totally lost on me I don't understand but you know you know what hair. because it reads to finger quotes to ethnic it reads finger quotes to black it's like to you're not even trying to look white right <laughs> but I mean subconsciously yep, that's I what's know. going on right <laughs> correct right. not of everybody course. is trying to look white. that's but true. like but then the, but then the overall yeah. you know culture is like but that's what you have to do you want to survive as a black person you better make yourself look as white as you possibly can right yeah 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 it's uh gross gosh. I mean didn't didn't congress just pass like a hair bill like in the last like I don't know two or three months or something like that around black you know, it's, it was recent at what? Yeah. And I don't exactly, recent. I don't know the teeth of it, but the again, fact this that wasn't there was a need for Congress to pass a hair bill is yeah. just sad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there's so much uh, sadness in kind of all of this now. I mean, also sadness is the corporate response once, you know, these non model-esque white 
non-white you know former well, employees and even started some pushing of them were back gorgeous like let's be oh yeah clear. He's like, oh yes oh yeah it's like sorry you're just not white enough even though you're gorgeous stunning gorgeous. Yeah. 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 yeah 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 i know I know there's no blue eyes on you. Sorry. You can't work here. Yeah. I think, I think their corporate response, you know, cause they really did double down on their whole exclusivity thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And how they were selling exclusivity and selling coolness, right? Like this mm-hmm. is the cool kids club. You want to be a part of it, but can you really be a part of this? You know, is that a thing? Well, and I mean, to, to kind of tie it back to a lot of the themes that we talk about all the time here on this podcast is um, one of my favorite quotes from the end. It was a culture that defined beauty as thin and white and young. Mm-hmm. And it was a culture that was very happy to exclude people. What else mm-hmm. does that sound like, ladies? I know. Is that the wellness industry? Yes, love and is. light. <laughs> love bit. and light. Just a little bit. Well, yeah. And it's interesting because you can, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know this for fact, but I could put some money down on some of my favorite problematic white lady wellness influencers would have been right all up in that Abercrombie life back in the day. And the defense of it. I was just not just like, I think it's one thing, like, I think, I mean, 16 year old me was super swept up in the marketing of it without even knowing, Yeah, but like very ignorantly. So, and not an excuse, but I mean, I think I mean, sure. Like I'll own that. I was mm-hmm. 16. I thought it was so cool. Mm-hmm. I noticed nothing about the fact that they were like nude men and I was going in to buy clothes. Like, even though that there was like very little female representation in the marketing, mm-hmm. even regardless mm-hmm. of like aesthetic of the female, very female, little female representation. And I was super there for it. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I buy Abercrombie and Fitch stuff now before this documentary came out. I now need to do a little bit of, you know, digging again, but like they rebranded and they, they have curvy fit mm-hmm. pants, which mm-hmm. are awesome. They just have a bit more length in the hip, which for someone like me, who just has like a wider hip to my waist, I have a hard time buying pants that fit. This is why I'm still 22 years later, still shop at American Eagle, even though I'm 40 and I think I'm probably not allowed to anymore. That's why yeah, I can shop online. <laughs> But it's that, you know, it's, like, it's like, if you figured out how to fit a pair of jeans to my body and I don't have to spend $400 on them, I am here for it. Yeah, yeah totally. 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 Yeah, totally. Totally. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, like this kind of like brings us to where, where they're at at this point. Right. So they finally kind of got their collective heads out of their collective asses and realized that what they were doing was actually bad business, that the times were changing and that exclusivity was no longer cool. Right. Like there had been enough you know, public awareness around racism and sexism and just general bullying from like, quote unquote, the cool kids. You know, I think that probably if you've sort of widened (laughs) the sort of like cultural lens and started looking at like what shows were starting to be popular, right. And like Mm -hmm. what kind of the conversation around bullying was looking like and, you know, Mm -hmm. how it wasn't really okay anymore to just be the like super hot jock who like stuffed a nerd in a locker anymore. You know, I think that probably there was just this growing cultural shift that started to happen and they realized that it was actually just bad business. So yes, there was also a Supreme court case (laughs) that they lost. (laughs) It did have to get escalated to the Supreme court, but right. And, and this is the problem. With so much of this, they're you're like, okay, so here's the ruling, but there's no teeth, there's nope. no impact if they don't do it. It's like, oh, they have to report to a person who has no authority to do anything or change anything. So nothing really changes other than what they put down on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But when exclusion has been at the core of who you are for so long, I mean, it takes more than like you have to an, overhaul a new right? marketing team to change mm-hmm. that. And especially from the inside out, again, like ha- having been on the inside of, of, you know, clothing retail companies, the culture shift is far harder and more significant than, you know, changing the policy in a handbook. And even if you have like inherently good people within corporate, like Mm -hmm. you get caught up in the, like, this is what we do. And then when you see the success and you're celebrating the success, it becomes that like, like kind of culty mentality where it's like, you're all in, you're in an echo chamber with people that are just saying the same things. And then not only that, like it's working, you're having these hugely successful numbers. You're like, obviously what we're doing is working and kind of like, sure. Some people aren't going to agree with it, but like the, the That's numbers, okay. it's not for, for them. It's not for them. The numbers right. speak for themselves. Look at this. Right. So then you have to, you could have like, they very well could have had really solid people in within that corporate structure who just, I mean, also, I think it's hard to put ourselves in context for the nineties, but like in terms of being, um, like culturally appropriate and whatnot, like we are leaps and bounds in 2022. Obviously we have leaps and bounds to go, but like from 2022 to 1990, mid nineties, like there's been a big shift in what's mm-hmm. acceptable, what's not, what's like socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually kind of cool to look back and realize that just even though how problem many problems we have now, like we actually have like as a society made a lot of positive change. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, it's hard to, when you do put yourself back and like, remember the nineties, you're like, Oh my God, like there's a lot of things that were problematic Mm-hmm. in marketing in general then. Mm-hmm. And I think Abercrombie, what they did is they, A, got caught <laughs> and totally. they had people who would talk about it, right? Like you have to have, you have to have enough distance from an event to have people feel safe speaking up. Right. And it's been what, 20 years it's taken this long for people to be in a position to speak up. Totally. So I'm just on the Abercrombie website right now. Right. And okay. it's, that's literal big tagline tag tagline is this is Abercrombie today. And today is bolded <laughs> as in like, yeah, guys, I, you might've watched the documentary, you but watched they're not, the documentary. They're not we're a done. real different company now. So just hang on a minute. And then their actual, the, you know, sort of like mission statement, I suppose is underneath. It says today and every day we're leading with purpose, championing inclusivity and creating a sense of belonging. So, I mean, could that be more of a 180? from the original exclusivity sort of like statement, right? Like well, just look at the photos on the website. Well, I actually yeah. haven't seen a white person yet. Oh, there's one, but yeah. like for the most part, like, I mean, this is, if I were somebody doing marketing, looking for models, this is like very well done, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. shapes, different sizes. Mm-hmm. I'd say a quarter of them are white. The rest are all, um, you know, people of color. Yep. And also too, like, you know, they've got this, their new fitness line on here and they've actually got different body shapes on there, which is encouraging and not just like the one token, you know, different body shaped human, but they've got, you know, several, several people on there. So, I mean, this is a real different story, you know, from what, from what they were kind of about, they have a totally different approach at this point, which I think is great. Now let's be, let's be fair. This is still, (laughs) you know not affordable for a lot of people. This is still, you know, trendy fashion, which is problematic in its own right. This is, you know, it's hardly a perfect situation. Like let's be, let's be real about this. However, they do seem to have made 
you know, some leaps and bounds. The statement from their um, CEO, who is Fran Horowitz. So I'm guessing a Jewish woman, Horowitz. Yeah, that would be like my opinion. Opinion. I think she took yeah. over actually after what's Mike Jeff left. Yeah. 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 Abercrombie isn't a brand where you need to fit in. It's one where everyone truly belongs. We lead with purpose and that, and that inclusive and equitable spirit is woven through all we do. Right. And then it has four pictures of, you know, non- non-white people above with seemingly quotes that they said, <laughs> which I doubt is something that they actually said, but that's okay. Well, I mean, it's easy to find quotes that align uh, with what you want them to. <laughs> right. Scroll down just a little bit more and they go into the Abercrombie Equity Project. The Abercrombie Equity Project is our initiative dedicated to social and racial justice. Our intention is to create a sense of belonging, to empower all voices and make an impact by generating funding, uh, enabling change and sharing the experiences of underrepresented communities, Communities, blah, 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 blah. And so it says all this kind of stuff. And they've got a new partnership with the Steve Fund, who is the nation's, uh, says here, the nation's non- leading nonprofit organization specifically devoted to the mental health and emotional well-being of people of color. And they've uh, donated $250,000 to there. They have a ton of different, you know, sort of videos down here that, you know, are looking at like t-shirts that say like, you know, equity and more than just once a month and amplify black voices and, you know, They've got a whole thing around pride. They have a whole pride collection. You know, they have a partnership with the Trevor Project, which is an incredible organization um, that supports uh, preventing suicide and crisis in uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, young people. Um, you know, they talk about sustainability, the other partnerships that they have, one with ThreadUp, one with Serious Fund, which is a children's network. So, you know, they appear to loudly be putting their money quote unquote, where their Mm -hmm. mouth is, Um, which is encouraging. You know, I think it's too bad that it took, you know, what was his name? Steve Jeffries, Mike Jeffries, Mike Jeffries, stepping down before they could get to being able to operate in this way. Um, That this one individual just was so hell bent on being a racist, misogynist, (laughs) you know, exclusive, you know, (laughs) individual, um, for them to get to this point, but they do seem to be, you know, really endeavoring to, um, you know, kind of be going in the other way. Now I don't work for Abercrombie. Well, but I will say in 2021, they were named one of the best retail workplaces by fortune magazine. I also think it's important to point out Jeffries. I'm just looking here. He stepped down in 2014, 14. So so Fran Horowitz, is that her last name? Yeah. She, I mean, 2014 it's 2022 that was not a turn this is not a tight turnaround this took you know almost a decade yeah to 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 get to where they are today yeah so I think she probably I mean I'm very much hypothesizing and projecting I bet she worked her ass off oh yeah uh, and other people, not, it's not, this isn't a one person change. Right. But she, but it, it but top down is really, really key. So I bet mm-hmm. you they needed someone, the, a 180 person from this guy to be there from the top. And then I bet you, if you look at their corporate board and all that stuff, like it's probably all very, very different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have a whole thing on here around to around brand protection which is pretty interesting. Oh, it's mostly talking, it's mostly talking about counterfeit, like as in fake. Oh yeah. 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 Fake Abercrombie stuff, which I mean, when I lived in Asia, 
there was loads sure. Of I mean, I think that I feel like all big companies with like with, with like um, standout branding probably yep. deal with. I mean, Rolex, right? Fake Rolex, you name it. If you're oh, in yeah. certain, yeah, yeah, for sure. They do have a diversity and inclusive inclusivity section on their website that's broken down to our commitment, our strategy, our initiatives, our partners, and contact us. So, I mean, good for them. You know, yeah. they seem to have weathered the storm. You know, I, I, I never, I don't like seeing businesses go out like kind of mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit, no matter what I way would rather see a business kind of like learn and pivot and figure out how to be better, you know? And really, I think that that's kind of all, that's kind of all we can do, right? Like I'm not asking for Abercrombie and Fitch to be like a perfect corporation. I don't, I no. think that's actually, uh, uh, What's what I'm looking for right now? Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Oxymoron. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Impossible. I'm not looking for that to be the case, but I am looking for them to have some awareness. I'm looking for them to do better. I'm looking for them to at least outward facingly say, this is not what we are about. And what we are about is inclusivity and, and, you know, diversity. And uh, it was just such an interesting sort of eye-opening experience to recognize that at the time I was totally ignorant to what was mm-hmm. going on, had no idea. You know, I thought it was super cool stuff. Um, I was in a lot of ways, the person that they were marketing to, although I didn't have the money, I was not that person. Um, but it's and, aspirational, but the, right? That's the whole point. I was point. just exactly. going to say that's yep. the aspirational component. Yeah. Yep. Oh, for sure. Like I literally owned like two, maybe two pieces of Abercrombie and I, they were like precious to me. Like they were precious oh, yeah. things. Cause they were so expensive for what they were. Like, I think I had a long sleeve t-shirt that cost me like $68 American, which probably was like a hundred bucks Canadian. Which like in what? like 1996, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like a long time ago. It was inflation wise. That's like a lot. Yeah. 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 Inflation wise. Like that's like $150. I know shirt. Right. I know. <laughs> I know exactly. So, you know, I thought this, this whole thing was a little bit of a fun romp for me. And also a little bit of like a, what that was, what was happening at the time. Like I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And also then like, Oh, good. I'm glad that things have that things have shifted. And I mean, I like, you know, their clothes are cute. Like, I feel like it's so interesting because obviously for me, like all my, my, my former career in retail was like the focus of a lot of kind of what came up for me around watching this. But Mm -hmm. I also just feel like kind of at the end of this, my takeaway is just how, how much the, we can make connections in the problematic wellness world to literally anything because so much Mm -hmm. of this, it's this exclusivity, it's this thin, white, wealthy, aspirational, Mm -hmm. you know, person that is not representative of actual human beings. And actually, Mm -hmm. you know, in listening, especially to some of those, the, the two male models that they had on there talking, it's just so exploitive too. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. problematic for so many reasons, including, including that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think we just see so much of that in so many places right now. And what's interesting is like, those were all white privileged guys. Like those, that's not your demographic for people you feel bad for, but like they were very clearly taken advantage of. Yeah. 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 Very clearly because of their age, right. Not because of their, their skin color or like they were being taken advantage of for other reasons, but like their naivety and their age is really what was primarily. They were just like hot and they didn't know any better. 
And so they got <laughs> yeah. into bed with Abercrombie and Fitch, sometimes quite literally. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> well, All and right. it's hard because the, the industry really does exploit its workers. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we didn't, we didn't even touch on like, let's talk about factory working. Conditions. I was just going to say like, oh, I don't know where they produce, but I would imagine it'd be I, like Indonesia I or China or somewhere yeah. in Asia. It always mm-hmm. is yeah. for fashion because that's yeah. where everyone is. So you go where people already know how to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, this was super fun. I think we should uh, do more of these. I like, I like movie night at meet me in the me middle. Too. It's good times. Yeah. It was fun. so much for listening to meet me in the middle. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.